after we are born again, there is a continual battle between our own flesh, the devil who sides with our own flesh, and God. God is trying to take us in his way. Our own flesh wants to go in its own way, and the devil wants to take us into destruction. Some days I find I'm just not interested in reading anything spiritual. Sort of like I'm dead. But then I start proofreading our blog or proofreading the writings attached to our podcast. And as I read those scriptures, life comes back into me. I used to find that as I read scriptures, it was like having a blood transfusion, that blood came back into my body, and life came into me. In 1 Corinthians one twenty one, we read, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Recently, a thought came to me that I'm not really called by Jesus to be a minister, that I got it all wrong. Instantly, I was reminded by the Holy Spirit, he reminded me of being taken into heaven twice. Just shortly after I was born again, I was transported into heaven in the night as I was asleep. I was with God, I was with Christ I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no images of physical images because God is a spirit. But I knew I was with God. I was with Jesus and I was with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me. As I thought on those two things, I was renewed by God because the devil was trying to cause me to doubt God, to doubt my calling, to doubt the work that I do. And God used those two experiences in my early Christian life. He used those two experiences to renew me and to give me faith once again that I am called by God to do this work. For I believe that those two experiences were being ordained by God into the ministry offices to which I am called apostle and prophet, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. After Jesus arose into heaven, He gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Paul was one of those apostles given after Jesus arose. Paul wasn't like Peter. Peter walked with Jesus from the beginning. He was on earth. He knew Jesus in the flesh. Paul did not. Paul was persecuting the Christians up to even to the point after Jesus was crucified. 
Paul was called by Jesus from heaven to be a minister, just as we are today. Those people who are ministers today, real ministers, are appointed by Jesus from heaven to the ministry offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. There are many ministers who are not appointed by Jesus but put themselves into the ministry by their own desire by going to Bible college. The painter Vincent van Gogh, the artist Vincent van Gogh, wanted to be a minister. And he went to ministry school, to theological school. But he was so bad that they wouldn't even accept him. And he finally went to the area where he was supposed to go, which was an artist. There are many ministers today who are not called by Jesus, who are not set into the ministry by Jesus. And you must be called by Jesus to do the work of God in the ministry. So anyway, recently I was restored that way. Sometimes you're restored just by reading a scripture. But the devil will often try to convince us that the way we are going is not the right way. But then God will restore us by the Holy Spirit who reminds us of the way of God. Often we are restored by an exhortation. Therefore, I'm very diligent to do this daily. Hebrews 3, 13, 14, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is all around us. You live on this earth. You turn on your television set. You see ways of things to do that are not of God. Man thinks one thing is right. God tells us another thing is right. Therefore, we who are called by God exhort the church and we exhort one another daily, each of us. Even if you are not called as a minister, you still warn people. Exhort, exhortation is to warn one another, to advise one another in godly ways. Because sin is all around us. And exhortations are used to keep us in the way of God. Therefore, Hebrews 3 Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Make no mistake, the devil will try to pull you away from your faith in God. He will do that as long as you live on this earth. As long as we live in this flesh, the flesh will try to pull us to another direction that is not God. But the Spirit fights for us and brings us ideas that are of God, which are opposite from the flesh and the devil. And we must choose to go in the way of the Spirit. Hebrews 10.25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
In Hebrews 3, we are told to exhort one another daily. But in Hebrews 10, we're told to exhort one another and even more as we see the day of the Lord approaching because things will get so bad around us. As the end time approaches, the sin gets worse. So we exhort one another even more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So I present to you daily exhortations on our blog and through the podcast. For God uses these exhortations to keep us in his way, in the midst of the wickedness that surrounds us in this present world. We renew our minds to the word of God, stirring up the coals of the fire that burns in us, keeping it burning, keeping that fire of the word of God burning inside us by reading the Bible and godly exhortations. We must renew our mind to the word of God, to what God says in the New Testament Bible. Because the world teaches the opposite. And if you do not renew your mind, you can get to thinking that the way of the world is right. And it is not. It's the way to damnation. So I'm going to present to you some basic scriptures which are very important in each of our lives. Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. We had a man in our church group who filed papers in court to divorce his wife. When I heard this, I went to him, and I said, Was your wife committing fornication against you? He said, no. And I said, the only thing in that's scriptural for a man to divorce his wife is if she's committing fornication. And I took him to Matthew 5.32, where Jesus says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her, that is, divorced, committeth adultery. What Jesus is saying in this scripture is, the divorced woman who remarries will commit adultery, but her husband who divorced the faithful wife will be the cause of her adultery when she remarries. This man who is in our church group studied this scripture, and then he withdrew his divorce papers from the U.S. courts. It also says in this scripture that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The man who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. So if you're going to free yourself from sin, you don't marry a divorced woman. You don't even date a divorced woman, for that could lead to marriage. My best friend, when I was a brand new Christian, was a young woman who was raised Baptist, she married a man from her church group 
whose wife had died of cancer. He had three young children, and Donna raised them. One day I was at Donna's house, and I noticed this beautiful silver pitchers and bowls. I'd never seen anything like them. And I mentioned it to her. I said, I've just never seen anything like this. And she said, well, let me tell you something. I was married before I married how I was married. I went to Italy as a Fulbright scholar, and I met a young man, and I even became Catholic in order to marry him. She was raised Baptist. And she said, we married, and his parents gave me this uh, silver when we married. They came back to the United States and divorced. She was going to this non-denominational church and wanted to remarry. She met Hal, and he was looking for a wife. There were two women at the church group that he was interested in, and he decided to date Donna, but he didn't know she'd been divorced. At that time in the churches, they were teaching Matthew 5.32, and he knew not to marry a divorced woman. And I said to him, Hal, if you had known that Donna was divorced, would you have dated her? He said, no, I don't think I would have. But he did date her, and he fell in love with her, and then in spite of the scripture, he married her, committing adultery. Turned out to be kind of a terrible story. She got cancer. His first wife died of cancer, and then Donna also got cancer. So he had to go through that again. But the man who marries a divorced woman, according to the Bible, commits adultery, according to the words of Jesus. I've never heard that taught at church. I don't think they teach it. It's my opinion that they don't teach it because it wouldn't be popular. And they've explained it away somehow in their own minds. That allows Antichrist into the church when you remove a portion of Scripture. Why lawlessness comes in, the man of lawlessness moves into the church. The minute that Scripture is removed for the man to marry a divorced woman, the minute that's removed and the men are approved and can marry a divorced woman in the church, Lawlessness has come into that church. That's Antichrist. 1 Corinthians 7, 10, 11. And into the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. Paul makes this clear that what he's going to say here is a commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. If a woman has a husband who is a drunkard and who is even a fornicator, she could leave him. But she must make up her mind that she will not remarry if she leaves him. Because what God says is, Let not the wife depart from her husband. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. 1 Corinthians seven thirty nine: the wife is bound by the law 
as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Now, why would Paul speak this scripture to the New Testament church, that the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth? Some preachers preach that the law, we don't go by the law anymore in the New Testament church. That is incorrect preaching. For we do not go by the law of Moses anymore in the New Testament church where you sacrifice animals, but we certainly go by the law of God as presented in the New Testament Bible to the New Testament church. And this is a law of God presented by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament Bible to the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians 7.39, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Here's another body of scripture which you must renew your mind to, to keep it straight. Because the world is so evil today on the subject of marriage, divorce, remarriage. Mark 10 And the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your hearts he wrote you this precept. This causes you to look at yourself. Is it just a hardness of heart that is happening to you concerning your wife or your husband? Is that what it is? If so, you need to consider that. You could turn to God and pray uh, what David did in Psalm 51. Create in me a new heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, I believe he says, and renew a right spirit within me. Mark 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. So if you decide you want to divorce your wife or your husband, what are you going to do about this one flesh? That a divorce paper doesn't cause you not to be one flesh. When you're one flesh, the only way is death. Verse 9, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife, and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married unto another, she committeth adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 3. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth, 
But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. Even if you have sexual intercourse with a prostitute, says Paul, you become one flesh with that prostitute. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 18. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Now every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. All sins are different from the sexual sins of fornication because fornication is against your own body. Renewing your mind to the word of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not think that you're going to continue as a drunkard and say you're a Christian, or commit fornication and say you're a Christian and inherit the kingdom of God. After we are born again, to sin like that, to willfully sin, there is no more sacrifice for our sins. That's in Hebrews 10, 26. Romans 1. Here's something else to renew your mind to. Concerning homosexuals and lesbians. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. God turned them over to vile affections. Vile affections against nature. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5. Jesus says, He that overcometh, The same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not 
blot out his name out of the book of life. He that overcometh. We overcome, overcome through God. We overcome all of the temptations through God, turning to God. Help me, please. And then going in the way that God shows you to go. We overcome the fears and the doubts that way also. Fears strike us. We overcome that fear by going to God. Please help me. And then paying attention to that which is called to your mind by the Holy Spirit. We overcome our doubts by going to God and following that shown us by the Holy Spirit. And if we overcome that way by turning to God, Jesus says, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So our name could be blotted out of the book of life even after we are in the book of life. Reading that whole scripture again, Revelation 3, 5, Jesus says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Scriptures such as these that I have read to you today are exactly opposite to that which the world teaches. So as we read these scriptures, we renew our mind to God's thinking and we pull back from thoughts brought by devils which are opposite to the word of God. And we are restored to God each time we do that. Each time we hear a godly exhortation, each time we read a godly exhortation, God uses that to keep us in his way while we live on this earth. Therefore, I exhort you daily with that which God gives me to say to help you to anchor yourself to the way of God. For the devil is certainly going to try to take you another way. And your own flesh is going to try to take you another way. And it is a battle as long as we are left on this present earth. We will have this battle to hold fast to the faith in the way of God shown us in the New Testament Bible. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.